Also, if you're watching, uh, if you're watching online our YouTube channel, or you are here for the first time and you do not have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. This is so great. I love what God's doing in and through New Life. Aren't you? It's exciting. Uh, also, next Sunday. Uh, in conjunction with our water baptisms, we have a very important announcement uh, that we'll be making next Sunday. I don't want to give too much information yet, but make sure you're here next Sunday for a, an important kind of a family chat, about a 10-minute family chat that we, we want to have uh, with everybody here at New Life. We want to make sure that you're here, but I'm telling you, uh, baptisms are exciting. We put our tank up here, and uh, it's the, aren't the stories just amazing? When people start reading their stories about how they came to this point to say, I'm ready to be water baptized, and, and uh, I can't wait to hear uh, what God is going to do and to see what he's going to do in and through us, okay? All right, well, we've been in this series 24 as we start 2024, and we've been taking these 24 days starting on January the 14th and going all the way to February the 7th and kind of leaning into this challenge to read, pray, fast, reflect. We've been saying that over and over. Read, pray, fast, and reflect. Now, this is not a New Year's resolution, but more laying a foundation for growing in a deeper and more sustaining relationship with Jesus for the rest of the year. Now, some of you might be here for the first time, and you may be hearing this for the first time, and you're like, well, Jeremy, uh, I I'm already late to the party. Okay, I can't squeeze 24 days into what's left. And let me just say, don't worry about that, because I want to encourage you today to start where you are. You can start this challenge right where you are, to read, pray, fast, and reflect. So there are 11 days left in this challenge. And I started by uh, this challenge by giving you some facts about the number 24. And I'm not going to do that today, but I am going to give you some facts about the number 11. All right? So... 11 is how high they turn the amp up in Spinal Tap, if you remember that movie. These go to 11, is what he said. It's a British movie. It's super funny if you've never seen it. Amps only go to 10. I know, but these go to 11. Uh, the Canadian coin, the loony. Any Canadians in here? The loony has 11 edges to it, all right? There are 11 players on each side of the scrimmage line in football. 11 is how much the 49ers are going to lose today to the Lions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know some of you are saying, okay, now you only have 11 more minutes of my attention. So I'm just kidding a little. Uh, but 11 isn't the important thing, okay? It's really about the steps, okay, that we take to align our hearts and to align our lives with our Heavenly Father, to really grow deeper in our trust and our faith in Him, okay? To really connect with Him and to really be still and to listen when He's trying to connect with us. We're going to talk about that a little later. So last week, we looked at what fasting was all about. So today, we're going to dive into prayer, prayer, okay, something that seems so simple, yet we make so complicated. And really at its core, prayer is about connection. Prayer is about a conversation with God, a relationship that he wants to have with us. The struggle in our world today is that we seem to have less time for real conversation. And I think it's mainly because of the speed of technology and it's leaving us with this constant nagging on the inside of us that we feel that we don't have enough time to squeeze everything in that we need to do throughout the day. 
We're moving faster than ever before. We're anxious. We're tired. We're running short on time. And so we're always, we always feel like we're playing catch up. And so since we're playing catch up, how do we squeeze connecting with God in that time? And if you do make time to pray, is he really listening? Or as one author wrote, is prayer just a spasm of words cast out in the cosmic somewhere? You know, does God really hear me? Are my needs so trivial and so small to God that it doesn't really matter? Do my prayers actually make it through? Why should I pray really? Well, let's dissect this a little bit. If you look on the inside of your program, you'll see some fill in the blanks. And that's how we keep up with our messages here at New Life. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down for number one. Prayer is keeping company with God. Prayer is keeping company with God. Now that's, that's a different way of putting it, isn't it? Sometimes people say that prayer is just talking to God or just communicating to God. And neither one of those are wrong. But what comes to mind when you hear keeping company with someone? Isn't it like hanging out in the living room with them? Isn't it hanging out in the kitchen with them or going to Starbucks or or having a cup of coffee, just really hanging out and connecting with someone? Isn't it going camping with a friend or sitting around a fire and laughing and sharing and maybe sometimes not saying anything? It's just being together. Isn't that keeping company with someone? Because I think maybe God is inviting us into something that looks like that. Just keeping company with one another. Keeping company with him, recognizing his presence and his interest in our lives. His, he's interested in connecting with us personally. And it's not just when we pray, just kind of going through a checklist, going through a list of our needs. God, I need this, I need that. It's not uh, just a one-way stream of words. We think that prayer is that but it's actually being with him and him being with us. I think that's closer to what prayer actually means. Instead of just a one-way dialogue, it's actually keeping company with God because deep down, I think everyone craves a connection to our Father. I think deep down, our soul is crying out for connection with our Creator. Even if we're not sure of his identity, even if we're not positive and ensure that he's right next to us and we feel like that he's more distant from us than close, we long for something that's fulfilling and real. And because of that, our souls cry out. We cry out in prayer. We pray because we're empty. We pray because we're grateful. We pray because we're thankful. We pray because we're scared. We pray because we feel helpless. We pray for answers on a test or we pray for that the test results coming back from the lab are good. We pray for a deal to go through at work. We pray for healing. We pray for forgiveness. We pray for strength and we pray for peace. We pray for assurance that we're not alone when we're going through challenges and struggles and conflict. We pray when we hit unexpected turbulence in an airplane. No matter how much you do not believe in God, you pray. (laughs) We can't help it. In fact, the word prayer comes from the Latin word precari, from where we get our English word precarious. We pray out of desperation. We pray in precarious situations when there's nowhere else to turn. God is inviting us to keep company with him. And here's the other side. God desires relationship with us. 
Look what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome in chapter 8. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. You look all throughout the Bible, you'll see that people prayed and they prayed deeply. Since the very beginning of time, people have prayed. Abraham and Moses and David and Ruth and Elijah and Mary and Peter and so many more including Jesus himself. Time and time again throughout the Gospels, we read about Jesus intentionally getting away by himself to quiet places just so he could pray. In fact, there was one time where Peter is looking for Jesus and he, he finally, he finds him and there's a little bit of hint, there's a hint of frustration uh, in the words of Peter. And he says, Jesus, we, we've been looking everywhere for you. What are you doing? Where have you been? We've got stuff to do. At least, you know, leave us a note of where you're going. I mean, call if you're going to be late, you know, kind of a thing that Bible doesn't really say that just in case. But Jesus was always disappearing and going somewhere private to pray. And this is why. You see, Jesus knew that prayer was keeping company with his father. Jesus knew how vital and critical it was to always stay connected to his father. And if it's good enough for Jesus, then it's good enough for us. So for me, when doubts begin to creep in and I start to wonder if prayer really matters at all, I'm reminded that Jesus, the creator of the universe, the one who's been there since time began, the one who spoke it into existence, felt compelled to pray and stay connected to the Father. And if Jesus felt compelled to have this ongoing conversation with the Father, this ongoing connection with his Father, then we should too. His number one passion was talking to his Father. In fact, I believe that his ability to do what he did with the courage that he had the joy that he had, the ability to love people in a radical way, his ability to teach, the wisdom that he had, the clarity that Jesus had. I think all of that flowed from him keeping company with his father. In fact, do you, do you know the only thing that, this, that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them? He didn't, the, the disciples didn't say, hey, that water to wine trick, man, that was pretty cool, Jesus. Can you show me how to, that walking on water, hey, when you get time, I want you to show me how to, the, the whole multiplying the bread and the fish, Jesus, now that was awesome. So I would love to learn that. No, we don't have recorded that they asked Jesus to teach them any of that. Here's what they asked Jesus to teach them, Luke 11. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. When they saw the way Jesus was praying, they said, I want that. That's what I want to learn how to do. You see, all they ever saw in their culture was these polished, crafted, theatrical, public performance prayers by the religious elite. When they saw the real life-giving connection that prayer gave to Jesus, they said, that's what I want. And they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. So number one, prayer is keeping company with God. Here's number two, prayer corrects my perspective. Prayer corrects 
my perspective. In the book of James, we read about the life-giving connection that prayer gives to a person. Look what James writes in chapter 5. And actually, I would love for all of us to read this aloud. If you can read it, let's read this all together. Okay, here we go. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. And you guys sound really good. Thank you, for do- Thank you for doing that. I really appreciate that. So why pray? Because prayer is powerful. Because prayer is effective. The prayer of a righteous person. Now notice it doesn't say the prayer of a perfect person. The prayer of a righteous person. He's talking about a person that humbly acknowledges that the only way The only way that we're ever going to be considered right, the only way that you and I are ever going to be considered good is through Jesus Christ, not on our own merit, not on our own merit. He's talking about somebody that humbles himself before God and pours out his heart in prayer. When we do that, when you do that, that's powerful. When you do that, that is effective. That gets the attention of the creator of the universe. I remember uh, back in 2017, before this campus even started, uh, Pastor David asked me to uh, speak for the Turlock campus. And at that time, they had four services, Saturday night, one Saturday night, and three Sunday morning. And so after that third service on Sunday morning, I mean, you're exhausted, you know, when you're, when you're preaching that, that much. And so Janet said, hey, let's just go grab a bite to eat at Red Robin. So we went to Red Robin. So we're sitting there eating. I'm exhausted. I'm ready to go home. They bring me the, the bill. And I, when I first got it, I, I was like, you know, looking at it. And I looked over and Janet said, can you not see that? I said, no, I can see it. She said, how much is it? And I said, well, wait a minute. And I'm, I'm tilting it and, you know, kind of getting the right angle and everything. And she said, babe, I'm telling you, you got to go get your eyes checked out. I said, look, babe, I'm exhausted. I just preached four times in the last 16 hours. I don't need glasses. I, my eyes are just super tired. And she, at the time, was wearing reading glasses, and she said, here, try these on. So she gave me hers, and I put them on, and I looked down at the receipt. Hallelujah. It's like the angels were singing behind me. I was like, wow. And so I went to the eye doctor, and here we go. All right, so now I've got my glasses. But you know what? Prayer, prayer does that for me too. Prayer corrects my spiritual vision. Every time I enter into prayer, that time with God, I can see better. It gives me a, it kind of reorients my focus. It gives me a fresh perspective of who God is and who I am not. It's the beginning of humility. Look what James says in chapter four. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. When I'm connecting with God, it enables me to embrace my smallness and lean in to his bigness. It enables me to see that his incredible view and his incredible perspective that he sees like no one else. His ways, that his thoughts are higher. His wisdom is bigger. His love is deeper. His view is so much better than my view. Prayer brings that back into focus for me. There are so many places in Scripture that we see that God and all of his power and all of his might and all of his authority and all of his splendor, Genesis and Job and Psalms and Isaiah and Revelation, there are so many times where God is even asking some of the big questions 
to humanity. Questions like, hey, don't you know who laid the foundations of the earth? Don't you know who told the sun where to set? Haven't you seen the storehouses that I have of snow? Do you know who created the stars and who held the oceans in their hand? Have you ever had those moments where you're just out in nature, watching the ocean, or you're, you've been to the Grand Canyon, or you go to Yosemite, or some of these other beautiful places, you're watching a huge waterfall kind of surge by, or you're seeing the fiery glow of a sunset or a sunrise, and, and it just reminds you of how big God is and how small you are. Jan and I have been all over the country, and every time I, we go somewhere, we're just taking in the beauty of, of where we are, just say, man, thank you, God because now you're just showing off. (laughs) What happens when I pray is that it helps me recognize that there is somebody bigger and better and smarter and wiser and so much more creative than I am. Prayer gives me a, a healthy awareness of how big God is. In God's presence, I feel really, really small because I am really, really small. Now, that doesn't mean insignificant, but it corrects my perspective and puts things in order. God doesn't need to be reminded of this reality, but I do every single day that he's in control. In fact, there's so much wisdom in that little phrase that we've heard so many times from from Psalms where God says in in Psalms 46, be still and know that I am God. Jeremy, you are not. Be still, calm down, relax, take a breath. I am God and you are not. I am big and you are small. And I'm okay with that. (laughs) That phrase, be still, actually means to vacate. It's where we get the word vacation from. I think God is inviting us to take a break. He's inviting us to come down from our personal corner, from our, our CEO office and let him be in charge. Sometimes I think God is saying to me, hey, Jeremy, I have a great idea. Let me be God today. And you quit trying to control your life. Prayer is more than just a shopping list, more than I need this or I want that. Prayer is like glasses for me. It's new vision for me. It's a step back into the reality of the universe and reminds me that I'm not the center of it, that I'm not the star of God's show. I'm simply a a loved son in the grand epic of the story of God. I'm not the lead part, not the director, not the producer. I'm not the script writer. It's all about God, and I'm invited to be a part of his purpose, that God is consistently and constantly inviting me to be a part of his plan for me, his greatness, his glory, his fame, his goodness. Prayer brings that back into focus for me. That's the power of prayer. That is the power of having a conversation with the creator of the universe. That is the power of just sitting down and connecting with God, keeping company with him. That's another reason why we pray. Here's the last reason why we we pray, because prayer is the catalyst for freedom. Prayer is the catalyst for freedom. Again, why pray? Because I need some place, and you need some place where you can be completely honest with all the stuff that's going on on the inside of you. 
That's another reason why to pray. It's a catalyst for freedom. And I don't know if you know this, but you can always be honest with God. Always. You know why? Because he knows anyway. He already knows. What do you think you're hiding? Be honest with God. You don't have to pretend. You can be free. I don't have to always be on my best behavior. I don't have to always pretend to be someone else. I can actually be the true, authentic me. Why? Because he already knows the true, authentic me. I have friends in my life who know me very well. My children know me really, really well. Janet knows me better than anyone else on this planet, and our relationship is based on honesty, but even she doesn't know every fact and every subtle detail about me. You know why? Because I don't know every fact and every subtle detail about me, (laughs) but God does. Every detail, every fact about you that no one else knows, God knows. And he wants us to have a conversation about who we genuinely and truly are with him because he already knows. He knows me inside and out. God knows my darkest places. He knows all my little secrets. And I will tell you that my desire is to live an authentic life of integrity and character day in and day out. I want what you see on this stage to be who I am out in the parking lot. That's why Jesus said that when you pray, don't make it some big street corner performance like the religious people. Go into your closet and pray. Now, he's talking about creating a space in your in your heart, a place of complete honesty where you can just let it out, where you can let down and let your true self out to him. You have to have a place where you can say, just like King David wrote in Psalm 139, search me, O God. Now that's scary. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I want a God who knows my heart. I want a God who tests me. I want a God who knows my anxious thoughts and knows every single thing about me, especially the things that are going on on the inside. Let me ask, don't you hate it when your check engine light comes on? When my check engine light comes on in my car, I just want to go to a cliff, jump out, and just let it go. Even as simple as it could be, I just hate car problems. I hate it especially when the check engine light comes on. We had, a, we had a, a Suburban years ago. Check engine light came on. I thought, okay, well, I don't feel anything wrong, so I'm just going to keep going, just keep driving, you know. So after a few weeks, I finally went to AutoZone. They got their little code reader, you know, the diagnostic machine. I said, hey, my check engine light's on. So they came out, they plugged it up, and they pulled the code. And they said, oh, you have an oxygen sensor that's, that's going bad. I'm like, oh, where's that? He said, well, you've got one right in your gas tank. So where you open up your gas tank, one there, super easy to change. I'm like, okay. You have another uh, right beside your tank on the outside, super easy to change. I'm like, okay. And then you have five more on the inside of your engine. I'm like, seven? How much oxygen does this thing need? And I thought, of course, it's going to be, those two are going to be great. The five that I need to change on the inside are going to be the ones But I wouldn't have known what was going on with that if I didn't take it in and have it diagnosed. The same thing happens with us with God. 
Some of you have check engine lights all on in your spirit. And the only way you're going to get that diagnosed is if you take it to God. You're not going to figure it out on your own. Maybe, maybe you will. But a lot of times we need to go to God and say, hey, can you diagnose this? Because there's something going on in my heart. There's something going on in my spirit that I can't figure out. And I need you to to hook me up to what's going on. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. God, I, I need to ask you what's contributing to this noise on the inside of my spirit. Why am I so afraid? Where is this anger coming from? What am I hiding from? Or what am I chasing? God, I need to ask you to help me. Why is my mind just constantly racing? Why, do, why does my soul feel so empty? How come I'm not growing? How come I can't sleep? Why do I keep saying, why can't I say no? Am I addicted to approval? Why, why do I work so hard to be accepted when I know that I already am? Why do I say the things that I do? Why am I so selfish? Why do I feel so distant from you, God? Why does, when Jesus says to come close, why do I not? Confession is not to inform God because he already knows. He's not taking notes. You're not gonna sit and start confessing some things on the inside of you that's going on with God and him stop writing down. What? Jeremy, when did that happen? I had no idea that was going on in your mind, in your life. No, that's not God. He already knows. We confess to him and unburden our hearts because he already knows. And there's great freedom in that. You don't have to try to fake him out. (laughs) You can be completely honest with God and it restores the reality of my need for grace. And the whole time God is is longing just to unleash his grace and mercy in your life. There's a saying that says this, I'm as sick as my secrets. And the sin I want to conceal the most is the sin I need to reveal the most. God wants the real you. He wants the authentic you. He wants the genuine you. And there's freedom in that. C.S. Lewis wrote this, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. I pray and I keep company with God because I need some place to go where I can be completely honest. I need some place to go where it's okay for me to be broken. I need some place to go where it's okay for me to bring my pain and my hurt. I need to open up the lock boxes of regret and shame and let someone examine the contents. I need to open it up with the one who already knows what's on the inside. You're not going to expose anything to God that catches him off guard. You're going to expose to God what he already knows is in there and he loves you anyway. That's good news. There's an old hymn that we used to sing growing up in church. It simply says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in 
prayer. All our sins and griefs to carry. What a privilege it is. A privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. God's big enough to handle your deepest secrets, your deepest wounds, your deepest hurts, your deepest pain, your hidden sins. He also wants you to bring him as your joys, your gratitude, your thankfulness, because I can bring God my doubts, my fears, my gripes, my complaints, my worries. He's big enough to handle it. I can bring it all to God in prayer and I can keep company with him. Don't forget, read, pray, fast, reflect. You have 11 days left in this challenge and don't just stop that for 11 days. We did it for 24 days to create a habit in all of us to read, pray, fast, reflect. Will you bow your heads as I pray? Heavenly Father, thank you that our prayers don't have to be this elaborate conversation between us. It doesn't have to be filled with fancy words. It doesn't have to be filled with a bunch of theological background. It doesn't have to be filled with a resume Lord, that's super impressive to anyone. Instead, Lord, what you are inviting us into is just to keep company with you. Sometimes, Lord, the the times of prayer that I appreciate the most are the ones when I'm just sitting down with coffee and just reflecting on how good you are to me. Never saying a word, but just knowing that your presence is in the room with me. Man, how special that is. Father, let us learn the un, just the, 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 the rhythms of your grace, Lord. The rhythms of your mercy. Lord, those times where we can hold sacred, whether it's morning or afternoon or evening or just throughout the day, Lord, those times where we can stay connected with you in conversation, that we can bring the real, authentic, true us, that nothing is hidden because you know everything anyway. But Lord, the freedom in being able to expose who we, who we really are in our thoughts, what's going on in our heart and our lives. But Lord, then seeking you, seeking you for help so that you can diagnose what's going on on the inside of us, Lord. Thank you for that connection, that you are indeed the creator of the ever-expanding universe, but you're also the lover of our souls. Lord, we do believe that you know the plans that you have for us, the plans for good and not for disaster, the plans for a future and a hope. Lord, we know you cause all things to work together for our good because we love you. We're called according to your purpose, that this is the day that you have made. We have come to rejoice and be glad in it. We bless you today. Father, I pray over every single person in here, Lord, that's going through something, that's going through a conflict or a struggle or a challenge, Lord, this week. Father, that came in here this morning with a heavy heart, a heavy mind. Lord, I pray, God, that they have learned that they can commune with you, that they can sit down and keep company with you, that you're actually inviting them to keep company with you, that you are ready with an outstretched hand saying, come, come close. You're ready to wrap them up and love on them, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Such a great father. Such a great father. We love you. We surrender ourselves to you. We put our our faith and our hope and our trust in you, Jesus. 
Amen. Amen.